0: And this morning we're looking at verses 14 through verse 20 of Philippians 4. Listen now to the reading of God's holy word. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in 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 my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia... No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Seek the Lord's blessing on this His Holy Word. O oh, gracious God in heaven, we, we do praise you and thank you for the great gift that you have given to us in your word. That it is our only infallible rule for faith and life. And as we come to this particular passage this morning, we pray for your spirit to be present with us, to go forth with your word, working the truth of your word within our hearts. That truly we might bring forth great and abundant fruit for your glory and your honor and your praise. Father would you pray for your rich blessing upon your word in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, if you have faith, well then now is the time to plant your seed money. and some, if you do that, some will receive 10, some 30, some even a hundredfold of what you give. Call now with your pledge and begin reaping the Lord's harvest. Or something like that. <clears throat> Have you ever heard such a plea from preachers on TV or on the radio or even from a pul- pulpit somewhere? Where people are urged to, uh, to give to the Lord's work generously so that a financial blessing will be earned in return that more often than not, the financial blessing will not be for the people who give, but for the peddlers of this kind of scam. Now, surprisingly, many are taken in by the antics of these uh, kinds of false teachers, promoters of what's often called the health and wealth gospel. They smear the name of Christ and His church as they lead people astray with false promises and Empty wallets. Such teachers only add, of course, fuel to the, uh, the unbelieving world who are quick to criticize the church as only seeking your money and, and not really caring about your needs, whether spiritual or material. Such false perceptions certainly need to be overcome. But of course, just because there are abuses, though, doesn't mean that there is no duty or obligation. For believers to support the ministry of the gospel financially as well as with their time and their talents. Locally as well as ministry perhaps at a distance. There's a proper balance to be found in the ministry of giving and receiving. And as Paul continues here to wind down this letter to the Philippians and to thank them for their support... He strives here to, in this passage to demonstrate to them the nature of this ministry and what exactly is that proper balance between giving and receiving. <clears throat> now the first thing that we want to note is that this ministry is a partnership. Now, Paul notes here that it's a partnership between he and, and the Philippians and between and with other believers as well. Now, of course, if you read back through uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, you'll see that a common theme throughout his letter has been this idea of partnership or working together. Back in chapter 1, verse 5, Paul commends the Philippians for their fellowship, their communion, and their fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. In chapter 1, verse 7, he says that they are partakers with me of grace. 127 He hopes to hear that they stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. In two two he urges them to fulfill my joy by being like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. In chapter two, verse seventeen and eighteen he shares a joy with them, and they with him, and in two, verse twenty. <clears throat> He calls Timothy like-minded and in 2:25 Epaphroditus is my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. In 3:20 Paul reminds them of their shared heavenly citizenship. And in 4:3 he finally finally remembers the Philippians who were my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And now in, in chapter 4, verse 14, he says, you have done well that you shared in my distress. And then again in verse 15, you have shared with me concerning giving and receiving. Right? Fellowship, sharing, partnering together, striving together, a being of like mind, a sharing in, in all these things. Paul is emphasizing the great truth. That they're all in this together. In fact, the language here of verse 15 is reminiscent of, of business language, as if they were partners in a business venture, sharing duties, sharing a cost, and sharing the profits and the losses. They have a common interest, they have common goals, and they're striving together to be united in mind and spirit. They're partners together in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is true not just for Paul and the Philippians, but really, again, for all believers in Christ, even us. We're united to Christ by faith. And we enjoy union and communion with Christ because of what He has accomplished for us on the cross when He gave Himself as that once for all sacrifice for our sins. And then He rose again from the dead on the third day, securing for us... Peace and reconciliation with God and also an eternal inheritance in Him and with Him in glory. But just as we're united to Christ by faith, we're also, brothers and sisters, joined together and united together with one another. Because of that same faith that we confess, we have union and communion with Christ and with one another in Christ. And Christ reconciles us to God and He also reconciles us to one another that we might be one body, one people in Him. It's He who has brought us all here together this morning. All those who profess the true faith in Christ Jesus are united together in Him and are called together to live as one, united in mind and spirit, striving together toward the same goal, joined together in a partnership to proclaim the gospel and bring glory to God in all that we do. So again, this has been a very key theme of Paul's letter here. And the Philippians have demonstrated their commitment to this partnership with their generosity. And Paul especially commends them because they've been active in this partnership from the very beginning. Here, Paul recounts their ministry to him in the past. Verse 15 and 16, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. And so the Philippians alone share with Paul in his ministry when he left the region of Macedonia, which was, of course, the the region of northern Greece, of which, of course, uh, Philippi was a part. And even before this, the Philippians supported Paul numerous times while he was in Thessalonica. Now this is significant because it means that, that just after Paul had labored in Philippi, and remember all that he endured in Philippi, and he was uh, thrown into prison unjustly and, and, uh, and mistreated. But shortly after he left there and established the church there, we have this Philippian church a relatively young congregation of the people of God, they're already supporting him when he moved on to the next city, which was Thessalonica. And now they're continuing their support, even sharing with Paul in his distress in verse 14. That is, even though uh, he's in prison, and that his ministry has been greatly limited, their support for him... Has continued. We see here that they aren't fair weather supporters who are only going to give to Paul's ministry when it's growing and when there's obvious fruit. No, they've kept giving even when things have looked bleak and unfruitful. And for this, Paul commends them, saying that they've done well. But Paul also stresses that this is a mutual ministry. A ministry of giving and receiving. And so it isn't just that the Philippians have given, 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 and Paul has taken, taken, taken. No, not at all. As Paul notes in verse 15, that it has been a mutual ministry of giving and receiving. Paul has has also given to them. Again, in the midst of much opposition and hardship, personal hardship, when he first arrived in Philippi, even risking his own life. He brought to them the gospel, the good news of forgiveness of sins and eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's taught them. He's loved them. He's shared his, uh, his life with them. He's cared for them spiritually, all for the sake of Christ and the gospel. And they, in turn, have received this from him in faith. They received his ministry. And now, just as from the time Paul left Philippi, they're demonstrating their partnership with him in the gospel by now giving back and supporting him. This is the ministry of giving and receiving. Between Paul and the Philippians, between a pastor and his congregation. Like partners together, striving toward the same goal they give and receive, each one bringing what he has to offer, contributing to the common cause. Each knowing full well that he'll receive back what he has put in in great abundance. Now, this isn't the same as planting the seed money of the false health and wealth gospel. Not at all. There are, there are only, there in that situation, only one is investing and only one is Benefiting. But in this biblical ministry of giving and receiving, both partners are investing what God has given them to invest, and both are reaping the blessings and benefits of this mutual ministry. And this involves not just the pastor and the the members of the congregation, and certainly not just financial gifts, but even the same way. Each member of the congregation... Each one of you is a fellow partner with one another. Investing your time and talents and treasures for the blessing and benefit of one another. Leading to the building up of the body of Christ. This is what Paul asserts in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, when he says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together... Each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. The ministry of giving and receiving is a mutual ministry of all the members of Christ's body investing their gifts for the overall encouragement and growth of the body of Christ and the ultimate goal of spreading the gospel and glorifying the name of the Lord. When everyone gives what they're called to give, everyone receives in great abundance. And this is the ministry for which Paul commends the Philippians. This is the ministry that they've been involved with in the past, and it's also the ministry that they're currently sharing in. But note how Paul is very cautious here. Just as some are quick to charge today that the church only wants your money and preachers and pastors are con men in the ministry only for personal gain, well, similar sentiment was expressed during Paul's day. And like today, there were plenty uh, of examples of those who misused and abused the people's trust with various scams and false promises all in the name of God, in the name of the church, and the main, in the name of ministry. In fact, earlier in the letter, Paul had warned the Philippians about such ones he was encountering back in Rome. Chapter 115, he says, Those who proclaim Christ from envy and strife and selfish ambition, not sincerely. So Paul is cautious here not to give any grounds whatsoever to unjust charges of impropriety. And so even though he's most appreciative of the gift of Philippians' ascent, he reasserts in verse 17 here, not that I seek the gift. Now this just simply backs up what he said back in verse 11 about not being in need. And that he's truly content in all that the Lord has given him. It may seem as though Paul is perhaps overstressing the point. But we see here actually his zeal is for the purity of, Of his motives regarding the cause of Christ and the gospel. And this he demonstrates in the latter part of verse 17. His desire wasn't for the gift that they gave. But rather he says I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Paul was zealous to see the gift of the Philippians put to work, not for himself and his own benefit, but for the benefit of others who would come to know Christ through his preaching of the gospel. And the prophet Paul speaks of is the spiritual prophet of lost souls brought to new and everlasting life through the gospel. And no, Paul is quick to point out That because of their generous gift, this spiritual prophet will be credited not to his account, but to the account of the Philippian believers. Being partners with Paul in the ministry of the gospel, by supporting him, they're actually investing in the growth and expanse of the kingdom of God. And when that growth comes, they reap the spiritual benefits of joy, Gladness, a greater love for the broader church and their neighbors, and a clear conscience before God, and of course, a great eternal heavenly reward that is to be doled out on the last great day. Beloved of God, these are the spiritual blessings that we enjoy as well when we give to the Lord's work as He prospers us whether it's to the, the local ministry of our congregation or to the ministry of the broader church. We give with the expectation that we'll see a rich spiritual prophet to the glory of God. The ministry of giving is all about investing in the gospel and the expanse of God's kingdom here on earth. And though Paul stresses the prophet will come in, their, in the lives of others... It's true. It's true that he himself has benefited from this giving ministry as well. As we noted before, Paul has generously given to the Philippians, even devoting his life to serving them and sharing the gospel with them in the midst of many hardships. And so we might consider that in one sense, well, the Philippians really owe Paul a great debt. But as we noted last time, Paul's not expecting anything from anyone but God alone. His complete trust was in the Lord for his provision and well being. But the Philippians are freely and cheerfully giving anyway, despite the fact that Paul laid on them no obligation whatsoever. And in this, he rejoiced greatly in the Lord. For the Philippians' gift demonstrated to Paul their great love and their concern for him. Supporting him in his ministry financially was a very practical way to show their love for him and to demonstrate their appreciation to him for all that he has done for them in the Lord. So yes, Paul did benefit directly from their giving. But he wasn't misusing their gift. And he wasn't living in in a big castle He wasn't driving around in the most expensive chariot. He was in chains. He was in chains in a Roman prison. And all that he has received has been used for the further advance of the gospel. And because of this, because of his work in the ministry, Paul actually did have a right to to be supported by his ministry. And this is the charge that he reminds Timothy of in 1 Timothy 5. He says, Let the elders who rule be uh, counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle on an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. That's the scriptural principle of the support of the ministry of the church. And it's true that oftentimes Paul himself actually refused to exercise that right for the sake of the gospel. He never, uh, very rarely did he he demand that they uh, support him in this way. But it seems here in this present situation, he was very grateful for the gift that came, even though he set no obligation upon them. He says in verse 18, Indeed, I have all and abound I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. The generous gift of the Philippians was more than enough to fill his needs and continue the ministry of the gospel even while he was in chains. And yet we see here also that it wasn't just the financial gift or the provisions of whatever it might have been that greatly blessed Paul and supplied his needs. But as he mentioned previously in chapter 2, there was... They sent Epaphroditus. The Philippians sent him and Epaphroditus was a special encouragement and blessing to Paul so that he truly was supplied in great abundance beyond what he could have ever possibly imagined or asked. And so the Philippians are commended for giving to others and giving to Paul in great abundance. But ultimately this ministry of giving is a great pleasing service to God. As Paul continues in verse 18, that their gift was a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Now this description echoes the offerings of the Old Testament saints through the sacrificial system. And so, for example, uh, after the flood, we read in Genesis 8, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma." And oftentimes we see that the the, uh, the aroma, of the sacrifice being described as a sweet smelling aroma or a soothing aroma to the Lord. And this gift of the Philippians functioned in a similar way, as it was an offering being made to God. Now, to be sure, it wasn't an atoning sacrifice or atoning offering that they were making. That is, by giving and, and supporting Paul at his ministry, the Philippians weren't seeking God's favor. Nor were they trying to find a way to pay for their forgiveness of their sins. Because that they've already been secured. That forgiveness has been secured through the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when Paul uses these terms to describe their ministry of giving, it wasn't an atoning sacrifice, but it was as a thank-offering. A thank offering given to God out of gratitude for His saving and delivering them. So yes, their ministry of giving was an act of worship, even as we uh, worship God with our giving of tithes and offerings and our praise. But it was out of gratitude, not as a way to merit God's favor. Paul uses (coughs) similar language elsewhere to describe how or to Worship God by giving of ourselves, giving of our service, our gift, our talents, and our treasures. For example, in Romans 12, verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then also the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 13 verse 16 says, But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Uh, Doing good and sharing is a sacrifice, a thank offering that we offer to God, and others are benefiting it. It's what we offer to God as a way to, Show our gratitude. But of course there's something more. By giving to Paul and through Paul to others who will be reached by his ministry, the Philippians are also ultimately giving directly to Jesus Christ himself. This is the same ministry that Jesus was describing when he said in, in Matthew 25... For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you, you came to me. And then verse 40 says, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Friends, we're serving Christ our Lord when we're partnering together. In the ministry of giving. But of course, the giving is only one side of the ministry. Right? As we noted before. There's also the receiving part of the ministry. Now it's true we ought not to give for the sole reason that we're going to receive something in return. But receiving return in what you invest is what God graciously does give. When you're faithful in this ministry. This is what Paul confirms to the Philippians in verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now note these things about Paul's statement here. First, note carefully, he says, God will supply all your need. He doesn't talk about wants. He doesn't talk about desires He doesn't talk about excess of riches and full-bodied health. But all their needs. All their needs the Lord will supply. And if anyone knows what we need, it is truly our gracious, sovereign God. And He amply supplies all that we truly need as we seek to serve Him. And to glorify him in our lives. Well secondly the implication here is that Paul knows the Philippians have needs. They have needs. Now if this be the case then it puts really their generous giving in an even greater light. Because they're giving sacrificially. That is at a significant cost to themselves. We know from what Paul has said in his letter that the Philippian believers were going through some hard and trying times. And yet in the midst of their own suffering, they continued to be partners with Paul in the ministry of the gospel, giving us a great example. God will surely honor their sacrificial giving by supplying all their needs. And thirdly, Note that, they, that though they gave a practical financial gift to Paul, or provisions of food or whatever it may have been, the reward that they receive is actually a great spiritual reward according to God's glorious riches in Jesus Christ. Now again, Jesus speaks of this same reward back in the passage we noted earlier in Matthew 25. In verse 34, Jesus says that the reward to be given those who served him by serving and and giving to others, the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. And so here Jesus is saying that eternal life. Eternal life in the glorious presence of God and in the glorious presence of Christ our Savior in His eternal kingdom where there is fullness of joy forever and ever and ever and ever. That's the gift that we receive in great abundance. And these are incomparable riches that far outshine and outlast any material reward or blessing that we may acquire. See, the wealth and health and wealth people, they get it all turned up. They focus on the material, the stuff that's going to pass away, the stuff that's going to burn up, the stuff that's going to be uh, destroyed by rust and moth. Jesus said, let your treasure be in heaven. And He has it there waiting for us. as we invest in this ministry to give we will receive that glorious abundant reward again it isn't that this reward is is what should drive us in our ministry of giving to Christ and spreading the gospel so that we're not we're not just giving because hey someday I'm going to get this reward because that makes it all selfish for us But no, it's what God graciously promises to bestow upon all those who are faithful to use their gifts and talents, time and treasures for His glory and the advancement of His kingdom. Considering this abounding gracious reward, it certainly should lead us all even as it leads Paul here to break out in a doxology or, or praise of God. Verse 20. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. For in this ministry of giving and receiving. All that we give and all that we receive is ultimately to the praise and glory of our great God and King and our Savior and Redeemer. It's all for His name. For His name to be lifted up. Not so that we can be, have a name of, and be known as those who are generous and giving. Not that we can be known as wealthy and blessed by God on this earth. But so that God might be glorified in us and through us. This ministry of giving and receiving. Brothers and sisters. It's truly a partnership. It's a partnership between Paul and the Philippians. Between me and you. And and among all of us together. We're called to give. To give generously. To give sacrificially. To give faithfully. And to give cheerfully. For by giving in such a way. We also receive from one another and ultimately from God all that we truly need friends we even receive that which we don't deserve the glorious eternal riches which Jesus Christ has secured and has graciously bestowed upon us who are his by faith brothers and sisters this is the ministry of giving and receiving that we're called to partake in and in it and through it all, God alone will receive the glory and the honor and the praise forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. O gracious God in heaven, we rejoice and give thanks for your word and your reminder to us And even as we're mindful that we may have this desire to give. But we acknowledge that even even what we have to give is not our own. But it's what you have given to us and blessed us with. And that we're now seeking to give that back to you. That we can be partners in this ministry of giving and receiving for the expanse of the kingdom not only here in in Bryan and College Station, but even throughout the world. that You can help us to be that faithful witness to those around us through this ministry so that Your name would be lifted up, so that Your name would be glorified. And we rejoice and give thanks that You are so mindful of us Here we have nothing. And yet you give us everything that we have. And then we return just a small portion of that to you. And then you give us even more. And you bless us richly beyond what we could possibly imagine. Even beyond what we could even deserve. When we consider the heavenly riches of Christ Jesus our Savior. And what he has secured for us. Father we can do nothing but humble ourselves before you and just thank you and praise your name for the outpouring of your abundant grace and mercy upon us, and we do pray that you would enable us to be faithful in what you give to us and and what we give and invest and and what we receive. That truly your name would be declared throughout all the earth. Even using each of us in our congregation here as a faithful witness of your gospel. And so Father we pray for your blessing in this. We pray that your spirit would even now be drawing us all closer to yourself. As we look to you alone for everything that we have. We give it to you all to the glory of your name in the name of the lord jesus christ we pray amen